Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 23rd, 2018. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we're on page 54, the first two paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Becca R., for the 12 traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Allison L., Rita K., and Russ M. The reference number for Sunday, April 22, 2018, is 11,327. That's 11327. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Becca R. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Becca R. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, but our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Becca. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, for each group should, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 54, paragraph one, and uh, I will ask Allison L. to begin reading, and she's going to read two paragraphs, and we will comment on both paragraphs. Go ahead, Allison. Thanks, Katie. Good morning. This is Allison L. Recovered in Ohio. We found, too, that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves? And then, with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower? Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Imagine life without faith. Were nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on to a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seemed more intelligent than that. At least so the chemist said. Uh, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to the line. This is Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Ohio this morning. 
I just love how smart this book is. It's like it's trying to outsmart me. Um, it's trying to build me up to this point where I can come to believe um, that there's something bigger than me that can restore me to sanity. And so it's pointing out to me that um, that I do, I have faith. I have faith and I worship and I love and I feel. And so it's making me think about what are those things. Um, so I think, well, geez, okay, so when I get in my car, I have faith that I have faith in whoever created my car. I don't know even who they are. I can't see them. If my husband is driving, I have faith in him. If I fly in a plane, I'm having faith in the pilot. I'm having faith in the people that created the plane. And so it's drawing my attention to these things and then saying, we live by faith in little else. So how can I get my faith to go from, well, if I, I know I have faith in food because it works for about a few seconds and then, and then I'm back to misery. So how can I get my faith on something bigger, something that will work for me, that will restore me to sanity? And so it's pointing out that it's bigger. Life is bigger than what I can see. And I like my reason. I like my logic. Um, but I'm, I'm not living by, by as much reason and logic as, as I like to think that I am. There's so much that I can't see. Um, so do I have faith when I start listening to vision? Do I have faith that the people I'm hearing have something that I want, that what they're saying is true? I can hear in their voices that they're living a life that I hope to live. They have some peace. They have some serenity. They're not eating. They're not fighting the food. Do I have faith that this that what they're saying worked for them can can work for me? Maybe do I have even enough faith um, that this power greater than than myself can can do that for me? Um, all I need is just enough faith to keep dialing in, to keep making calls, and to keep working the steps, to be entirely abstinent and work the steps. That's that's the faith that I have. I'm living by faith um, every day, and and something. Am I willing to just um, let my faith be a little bit bigger and uh, and keep doing the work so that I can have what I hear in other people. And I was willing, and uh, the faith um, took me, and I um, pushed through the fear, the uncomfortability, and I keep doing the work every day, and, it, and my power greater than me continues to keep working and restoring me to sanity. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Allison. Okay, so we're on page 54, the first paragraph that starts with we found two, and then ending with the second paragraph at at least so the chemist said. Who would like to share Jack, on those Jackie two B. paragraphs? Jackie B. Kim G. Kim G. This is Larry. Larry. Barbara E. Barbara E, Leslie W. Can take a couple more. Okay, let's go with those five. Jackie B, Kim G, Larry K, Barbara E, Leslie W. Go ahead, Jackie. Okay, this is Jackie B from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for your service and for the speaker. Um, you know, I am like so grateful uh, that I stayed to hear the message. You know, been in program over 20 something years and 
in the last 20 months, I've come to realize that I now have a, a real higher power, one that regardless of anxieties, fears, um, e elation, happiness, um, I realize that there is a power greater than me, and I'm not it. And all I have to do is rely. And I love when it, when I turn on the light switch, I always remember my higher power is with me because I could not be where I am today. There is absolutely no way, no how, I would be in the position that I am at work, the member of society that I'm at, the um, the physical recovery I have, because the noise has left me because I'm willing to work this program every day regardless, regardless of how I may feel or not feel. I'm not running to the food because I realize that, you know what, it's not going to change. What changes is me. What changes is me asking for help, working with others, and realizing that I'm a selfish human being 24-7, and working the program is what helps me be a human being realizing that if I get out of self, then I have more to give. With more to give gives me more filling in my body and in my mind so that I don't look to the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Jackie. I heard you. Thank you, Jackie. Um, this is Kim. Um, next is Kim G. I'm not Kim G. Next is Kim G, followed by Larry K. I'd like to be Katie G. I mean, Katie, if you want me to do that, I can switch. I'm not Katie G. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Katie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, I love that word worship. You know, we variously worship people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves. You know, because I, I thought to myself, well, I can't worship anything. But if I look back at my own history, there were many things that I worshipped. I definitely worshipped getting the right boyfriend. I definitely worshipped trying to be a size six. Um, you know, maybe it's living in the right neighborhood, having the right title at work, having the right education, um, having enough money in the bank. You know, it was all about power, property, and prestige. So I definitely worshipped those things. Even if I have a belief in God. You know, I, I like this analogy. Think about that your, your brain and your day is, is like a, a pie chart. And how much time is your thinking spending on all the different things in your world? So even though you say you might have a belief in God, what is your thought saying? What is your action saying? I know for myself, I realized that I worshiped me. You know, it was all about self-sufficiency. You know, 23 hours out of the day, I'm thinking about me. And what am I thinking about the other hour out of the day? What are you thinking about me? So definitely, I could worship. You know, there's this, there's this um, concept in, in um, many uh, religious programs that talks about wearing life as a loose garment. You know, it basically is saying that we are detached from the world. And that's where true peace is. And I have to say, for me, what I realized is I thought all these outside things that I worship would make me feel safe. But what I discovered doing spiritual work is that's the exact reason I felt unsafe. Because even if I got the boyfriend, there was the fear of losing the boyfriend. Even when I got to a size six, I knew I wasn't going to stay there long. Even if I got the title at work, it was the fear of being fired. 
So what I did is I didn't wear life as a loose garment. What I did is I wore life like my favorite pair of jeans when I gained weight. Because what I would do, no matter how much weight I gained, I would lay on, the, on my bed and use a pair of pliers to pull up that zipper. And then I'd walk around with my jeans so tight I could barely breathe, and I couldn't even lean over because it was so tight. And that's how my life felt. I want to be able to wear life like a loose garment. I want to be detached from the world because I'm connected to a power. So part of that process was I had to realize it wasn't that I couldn't worship. It wasn't that I didn't have belief in things. The problem is what I had belief in was human aid. And we were told in prior, prior um, chapters that I was beyond human aid. And until I recognized that and I surrendered to that, I was going to relapse and go back to the ultimate thing that I worshipped over and over, and that was the food. And that was the entire, uh, con- oh, I don't know what the word is, but that doctor's opinion cycle that tortured me for decades in my life. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Kim. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Thanks, Katie. Appreciate your service. Larry Kay recovered. It, um, you know, we're, we're reading here. How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Uh, not much, not much for me. Did not these feelings determine the course of our existence? Well, absolutely they did. You see, we, we do a lot with our emotions other than just feeling them. We use them, we enjoy them, we, we seek to dominate them. And yet the reality for me was I, I was dominated by by them. There, there came a point that was uh, almost imperceptible to me that I became dominated by my feelings and then I simply obeyed them, a, a prisoner, you know, of my own misery. And the only faith that I had at that time was the faith that I had in the futility of my life. I knew that the, the storm was, was in my life or it's, it was on its way and I had no way to transcend that and the crushing weight of sadness at times, and the maddening anger at times. And we, we spend a lot of our resources on the, on the pre- and post-production of our emotional storylines. You know, I have my emotional storyline, you have yours. And there was only one narrative, and there was only one author, and there was only one audience member for that narrative. It was me. I was, I was the... Uh, I was the committee of three. And when these character flaws inevitably show up at our doors, we do everything to turn them away. I I resisted them and I denied them and I fought with them. And yes, I tried to reason with them and redirect and reshape them, but they loiter and they linger and they watch me labor in their aftermath, you know, and every so often they seem to leave only to knock at my door again. They kept knocking at my door again. And what if I found a new way to live with the new director? See, step two for me is not that I have this God thing figured out. It was just that I had to ask the question, is it possible? Is it possible that there's something greater than me, not me? And if I can answer yes to that, well, I've taken step two, onwards and forwards. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie.
Sorry about that. Okay, thank you so much, um, Larry. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Leslie W. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, Deep down inside me, there was something I worshipped, the desire to fit in, to not be so irritable and lonely all the time. I also knew I could not go on eating like this anymore. I could not live like this. If I was honest, I was also bowing down before my refrigerator. I did want to see the sunshine and joy in being alive. I did have a fundamental belief in God, but it was not a God that could serve me. If I could do this by myself, then I wouldn't have to do the rest of the program. I needed steps four through nine to scrape away all that debris, to sound down, to use the sander, to sand down all the things that were unblocking me. And then to live in steps of 10, 11, and 12 every single day to stay unblocked. We talk a lot about a math teacher, but I taught English. And I could not teach English to a fourth grader in any meaningful sense until the kindergarten teacher taught them their alphabet and the first grade teacher taught them to put letters together to make words. And the second grade teacher taught them to use um, punctuation to make meaning. I needed to do all of this in the 12 steps in order to utilize the program. I seriously thought I could do it my way and be one and done. I thought if I did the steps, my problems would no longer exist. But the program gives me the power to rise above them. I had put all sorts of barriers between me and that power. What I found here was hope when all I felt was hopeless. Step three was just to surrender to take the risk. I was worshiping the wrong things, finite things, like my bathroom scale, the size tag on my pants, one of the being the popular girls. I wanted to be one of the smart kids without doing any of the work. If I wanted to succeed, I had to look to other things I had to do the work, and I had to get, have the opportunity and the joy of giving back in order to experience the, the promises found on page 83. I did not want to continue to live in the bedevilments found on page 52. I did not want to have trouble with relationships and emotions and misery. I wanted to have freedom and happiness and serenity, but I had to work. Faith in some kind of God was there, and it could be a power of good and caring more of others and less of me. But of course I was scared. I had to have courage. I had to open that door just a crack. And that's why I come every single day so you, my fellows, can help me open that door wide and see the sunshine of the spirit. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Leslie W., it's your turn. Thank you so much, Katie, for your loving service. This is Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. <clears throat> Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, oh yeah, 
I definitely have worshipped people. And uh, I've worshipped myself. Um, this really makes me think of the fact that, you know, I, I've worshipped these things not so much because I, I, I enjoyed them, but because of the effect that I got from them. Um, I worshipped the the applause and the and the praise that I would get from being on stage, or I worshipped um, people in my life because I thought that if 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 I could get their approval, um, that I would be okay. Um, you know, I worship things in my life because I. Right now, really, that that whole concept of worshiping things is is really um, being challenged in my life because um, of some things that 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 I'm facing. And you know, um, I don't I don't really need things to feel okay. Um, my home is is in the hands of God. My, that's where I belong. You know, that's where my heart is. And as long as he's taking care of me, which he always will, then I'm going to be okay. I don't, you know, I don't need the food anymore to give me that effect because I have a loving, caring father who is looking after me. And I have beautiful friends in this fellowship that I can call and I can say, hey, I'm having a hard day. Let me be of service to you. What's going on with you? Can I, can I help you? And, you know, that's, that's really what my purpose is. I'm not on this earth simply to exist. I'm on this earth to, to be of service to other people and to uh, to live and fulfill God's will for my life. So today I'm very grateful to be on this call. Thanks so much. Love you all. Thank you, Leslie W. Okay, if you've just joined us in the last um, 20 minutes, we are on page 54. We read two paragraphs. We found two through at least so the chemist said. So who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Russ M. Katie G. from Boston. Russ M., Katie G. Melissa C. Melissa C. Garrison M. Garrison M. Lauren N. Lauren N. Jen A. Jen A. We have we have room for a couple more. Okay, let's go with those six. We have Russ M, Katie G, Melissa C, Garrison M, Lauren N, and Jen A. Go ahead, please, Russ. Good morning, Katie. Uh, good morning, family. It's Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So, you know, I didn't realize all these things until I got into the big book and read this paragraph. So, yes, I was a worshiper. I had faith in 
you know, I have faith in myself. I worship myself, being self-centered and egotistical when, you know, I thought I was just, you know, just doing the right thing, being a good guy. Um, faith in power and status and, you know, I worship my family name, that that meant so much uh, for for persuading people and, you know, getting what I wanted out of life and, and I worried what people thought of me. I worship people just in general to get what I needed from them or they were the answer to me that they could show me how to make it in life and how to survive this, survive life. And the best part about the whole thing is nobody cared. Nobody cared. I was so self-absorbed, you know, and, and my, my, my point is, is that nobody cared what I was doing. Nobody cared that I, I bent over backwards for people. They were self-centered themselves in, in, in a way. So I set myself up for these, these emotional injuries and, and these circumstances that, that everybody screwed me with, which is not true, right? And, you know, it really wasn't about the food. It's just about, you know, life being unmanageable and me trying to control it. This worship was me trying to control life. And uh, it's just, it's funny. You know, I can't believe in, in, in a power greater than myself that created everything, that put things in rhythm, you know, that made, made things happen. But I couldn't believe in that. But I can believe in myself that could screw a lot of things up and make a ton of mistakes and not trust others or trust God with my life. Um, the only thing I need to be worshiping is God, centering my heart, my soul, my mind, my activity on God, because then it makes me serve others. It brings me closer to others and help others. It gets me out of myself, and it keeps me out of trouble, to be honest with you. It keeps me out of trouble, and uh, financial troubles, relationship trouble, food trouble, spiritual trouble, and uh, that's just the way I have to do it, and I still get caught up in it. With the good intentions, think I'm doing the right things. So every day I got to recover, work the steps, and and do what this book tells me to do. And that that's just it. It's as simple as that. So thank you very much. I love you guys. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you, Russ. Okay, Katie G, it's your turn. Followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Yeah, this really reminds me of the ABCs, and I love hearing everyone share today, right? So A, I am a compulsive overeater, and I cannot manage my own life, and B, that no human power, right? Because I have always felt like a little empty, like an empty little girl. And so when people came into my life, I wanted to stuff you into my body, have you do exactly what my dictates said, make me feel better, fill me up. I mean, I held hostages. And I remember one particular relationship didn't want to be in a relationship with me. I literally stalked the person for a year until they decided decided to be in a relationship with me or sentiment like how many times would I drive around listening to the music and thinking like like just imagining myself as this different person um, and memories and photographs and money I mean when I first got sober um, I spent one no twelve hundred dollars in one hour on suits for a job I didn't have with money I didn't have and of course me 
right? Like number one worshiping, number one worshiping. And yeah, I mean, when all of these things would happen, and I need to be honest, like when things happen in program, like in my life, I have to remember like, this is just a thing, right? Like it's not because I did some great thing. This is just a thing that's happening to me and that no human power is going to fix me. And so as things come and I start thinking, wow, this is, you know, KDG has arrived now, I have to not let my feelings determine the course of my existence. Because in step 11, or can you guys can correct me, um, it talks about we watch for excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Number one is excitement. I'm an excitable woman. You guys know that. Like, things, good things happen to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, good things are happening to me. Bad things happen to me. Oh my gosh, bad things are happening to me. Take care of me. Uh, fix me. But today, as a recovered woman, I can't let these feelings determine the course of my existence. You know, and <clears throat> coming into the rooms and being at step two and being in self-pity, people used to say to me, Katie G, feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. We do not make decisions like just because you feel like eating doesn't mean you eat. Just because you don't feel like going to the meeting, you do go to the meeting. You do the opposite of what your feelings and your brain tell you. Your brain is the problem. Do not listen to your brain. And that's where I have to come to over and over again. And for me, living in a state of... <clears throat> surrendered for 24 hours means I get to make really uncomfortable decisions that make my feelings not happy all the time. And then I get to talk to God and say, oh yeah, I'm an adult now. I don't drive around like waiting for my feelings to feel better. And um, what a privilege, what an honor to have emotional and spiritual growth accessible to me 24 hours a day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Garrison M., Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so I've worshipped um, things all my life, and this is kind of pointing out to me that it's not going to be so difficult to sort of shift that um, just a little bit. You know, I worshipped thinness. You know, I've worshipped physical beauty, social status. I had, like, tremendous image worshipping, um, you know, and then when I think about, like, worship, it's revered, loved, you know, held in high regard, praised. And, and yeah, I've done that for, like, you know, good things, too, like a beautiful sunset and, and a beautiful landscape and a scenery. And, and even my children, you know, my family having, like, a worship, uh, this kind of love and reverence for them. And None of this is based in pure reason. You know, it's only the it's only the resistant addict in me who doesn't want to proceed, who wants to put up a block, you know, and, and like put on the brakes and say, mm, this God thing isn't isn't going to be reasonable, you know, because um, like reason has not been the driving force behind all the big important parts of my life that the you know it says here like the tissues that make us up um it's not based in reason love is not reason you know um and and so um you know then why is there all this reliance on my part um on reason when i'm asked to examine the spiritual side of life you know um can i just like open that up just a tiny bit um, you know, and, and include God in here, you know, is it, 
is God reasonable? You know, is is reliance on God reasonable? And um, well, when you're living an epic fail, like, um, yeah, it is. It actually is. It's more reasonable to believe in something greater than yourself. For me, it was. Um, I had to look, examine my evidence of my life, and reliance on me was no longer reasonable. What became reasonable was um, try to rely on something different. And, you know, it started really just in the opposite. You know, it's like my lowest weakness was what was telling me what to do, was running my life amok. And so can I just shift that, open it up, like do do the opposite of what my impulses were telling me, um, and that's where God began for me. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Hi. Thank you so much, Melissa C. Um, Garrison M., you're up, followed by Lauren M. Thank you so much. This is Garrison M. in Maryland, and um, I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, first I want to give a little shout-out to Tammy T., who came down to our home meeting in Towson last night, all the way from Pennsylvania. It was so great. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, this is all so true for me. Um, you know, I, I, I hope I can make the, the leap from worshiping people and myself um, and other people's praise and approval of me and love um to um to worshiping um a higher power um and being open to that um you know this all makes a lot of sense um and um you know i got i definitely um well i you know i'm back you know i i'm i'm compulsively eating i ate compulsively last night um and um and so I definitely, I definitely know that I worship food as a, um, as a uh, source of comfort, and, um, and I don't want to live like that. I really don't. I really, really don't. And I've been like back and forth questioning it. So again, it's like, how can a sick mind heal a sick mind? Like I, that's what I've been doing. So I really need to. Um, to uh open myself up to um to to be changed into some some new um some new ideas. So one thing that I I always seek is people that will tell me that I'm that I'm doing good and that are very gentle and um and I I may need somebody who uh you know just is pretty cut and dry and pretty, you know, not so sweet <laughs> unfortunately. Um so um, anyway, thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Garrison. And uh, next we have Lauren N. followed by Jen A. Good morning, Katie G. Can you hear uh, Katie F? Can you hear me? Yes. This is Lauren N. Recovered compulsive overeater sugar addict. Thank you all for being online this morning. Um, boy, did I have faith in lots of other things, not God. I had faith in my bathroom scale. I had faith in my doctors. I had faith in my, my diabetes um, 
blood glucose measuring stick. I had faith in my refrigerator and in my uh, grocery bill. I had faith in my surgeon who helped me do the lap band surgery and then who another surgeon who did the gastric sleeve surgery. But they didn't give me faith in myself or faith in a higher power. What gave me faith in a higher power was not succeeding at any of those, was being in total desperation, knowing that I did not have the answer, didn't know how to do anything, didn't know how to do life. I came into this program many years ago and ran out because I heard the word God. And then I came back and I ran out because I thought you were crazy. And now I'm here because I know I'm crazy. I think I can cure myself in my own sick brain. And thank God for this program. I now know that I can't cure myself anymore. I have to follow your directions and follow the directions in this book and hold on for dear life. Because it's only when I do that that I am able to be recovered and stay recovered. Thank you all for being here every single day. I love you all, and I pass. Thank you, Lauren. Jen A., you're up. Good morning. This is Jen. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning. Jen A., compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, recovered for today from Colorado. Um, Faith. So I took a leap of faith, and I walked into a room on a Saturday morning when I would rather be out riding my bike, compulsively exercising, doing whatever it takes to continue to be thin. And I sat in a room of all of you, and I looked at all of your faces and didn't know what to take of it, didn't know what to even think. All I knew was that I was desperate. Um, and that face walking in that door and then someone looking at me, telling me to come back again and try six more meetings, I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I continued to come back because I was so desperate. I didn't want to die. I had tried everything else. And so my faith was is that I was believing in you all. I believed in the people. I believed in the person who handed me this big blue book. And I was like, you're telling me this is going to change my life. Um, after I had relapsed, I thought, there's no way. How is this going to change my life? Nothing's done it in the last 11 months coming to these meetings. How is this book going to transform me? Well, after that relapse, I was totally desperate. And um, I, I, I believed. I believed. You know why? Because you all were doing it. I had faith in others. Others were showing me through their attitudes and their actions and their words. And here's the funny part is that um, I didn't know any of you when I walked in those rooms. I don't even know most of you on this line. But yet it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what I'm hearing from everyone. The words that are spoken is this language of the heart. 
And when it's heard from another person on these lines or in these meetings that has, had, has, has been transformed by this desperate state, that's when it makes a difference to me. And that's how my life has changed. And I started to believe what I was reading and believe what I was hearing. And so I took these actions and I walked through these steps hand in hand with someone who guided me. And that person still guides me today on every little thing that comes up in my life that I can't seem to get through. And you know how they guide me? Through the help of a higher power, not by themselves, because their higher power is working through them, which then works through me. Isn't this just miraculous? I'm so transformed, but I had to be totally desperate before God could come in and I could accept this. And that's the faith that I have today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. Okay, we have time for about three or four more shares. Who would like to share? We're on page 54, the first two paragraphs. Raz R. Lisa B. Raz R. Elaine, Raz, and Lisa B. Sherry H. And Sherry H. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, I heard Elaine. I did not hear an initial. Raz R., I believe, and Lisa B. And Sherry, I don't know. Your last initial. Okay. Elaine, go ahead. I thought I heard an Elaine. Let's go with Roz R. You have to press star one. May I be heard? Hi, may I be heard? Heard it? Heard? (laughs) This is Roz R. Yes, go ahead, Roz. Thank you very much. Um, let me just set my timer. Okay. My name's Roz R. from Florida, and um, thank you for calling on me. Um, I just wanted to share, uh, this, is, this is a wonderful um, reading today, and the faith that I got, just as I've heard said, um, evolved in, in, in listening to other members of Vision sharing their recovery. I mean, I've been in the program for over 36 years. I've been thin. I've been abstinent, you know, I've lived life, I've done a lot of things, but what I have today is something I never dreamed it was possible, and that's what they say you get when you finish the nine step, that displacement and rearrangement of how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you live. I did not ever believe that I could ever change And I didn't believe it when I started, and I didn't believe it when I was going through the steps, but my life has transformed. I am like a different person, and I don't know how it happened. It just happened. I hated sponsoring. I love sponsoring now. I never wanted to help anyone. I didn't want to go out of my way to take phone calls. I didn't have neutrality from the food. You know, my thinking, I I mean, my thinking, you know what I didn't realize, which is so amazing, like... I I still have wake up and I'll wake up with uh, underlying depression or I'll wake up with this, you know, impending doom because that's how I lived all my life. But today it's like I go to God. It changes. If it doesn't change, I do what's told me. I make phone calls. I get out of myself. I pray. I ask God to remove it. You know, I do all the things. I, what I ask my people to do when I speak with people, I do them. I walk the walk today before I talked the talk, but I didn't walk the walk. And, you know, it's, those of you who are still suffering, I have to tell you, pick up a phone, make phone calls to people. The faith is there. You know, I had faith in the people that I talked to because I, I had heard them share 
prior to being recovered. And then I heard them sharing after recovering. Some people I knew from years and years ago um, in person when I lived in Detroit, when I lived in, in New York. And, and then I found them on Vision. And, and I mean, going to that convention was, was life-changing. To meet, to meet you guys face-to-face, I mean, last night I was on the phone with people. You know, I still wake up. I still have issues. You know, everybody does. But what's a miraculous is like the tools, the, the, the program, the words in this book. It's a, it's, a, it's a pattern of living. It's a way of life. And unless we let someone who's walked this path teach us, we're doing the ism. You know, I sponsor myself. It doesn't work. Anyway, I'm so grateful to be part of this group, so grateful to be recovered, and so grateful to have the God squad that I have. So if you are struggling, call one of us. We're here for you. That's what this group is about, and I pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. And Lisa B., you're up, followed by Sherry. Good morning, Katie. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you for your service. I like the line, we found, too, that we have been worshipers. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, from what the line that just keeps coming to me, and I don't know how to phrase it, but the longer we're in here, the longer I'm in here, I realize that I get promoted to a position of service, that that is the highest position in this fellowship, Um, doing service, being of service, always being of service, because I wake up every morning addicted to myself. You know, and I love this line about being worshipers because what I would do is if five people would compliment me on something, but then one person would point out a negativity, I would just focus on that. And I would be so upset and I would bend over backwards, turn myself inside out to get that person's approval. And often the approval that I was seeking from other people were people that didn't really even have anything. They were dead inside most of the time like I was. I would go to people that had an empty well. And today I've learned to go to this invisible source. I had to go through the steps, getting into, first getting entirely abstinent, really learning what that means. I had to learn what the word hopeless means, that it means to be truly out of ideas, that I am doomed, that I will die, maybe not bodily right away, but certainly in my spirit and in my mind and in my emotions, and that I will be living in just the depths of despair and not even knowing I'm living in the depths of despair. I had to get all that clear of, am I really conceding to my innermost self, who and what I am, doing the steps, and then tapping in this inner resource, this gold mine, this diamond field, this rich soil that has been there all along that I've just been blind to and I've tried to find in people, places, and things. I've tried to find it in pills. Maybe this vitamin will make me feel better. Maybe I need this. Maybe I need that. It's surrendering to who and what I am and it's a spiritual malady and it can't be fixed from the outside. It's an inside job and that when I'm untreated and unrecovered, it often feels like major depression, major doom and gloom. That's being unrecovered for me. So anyways, I'm just so grateful that today that invisible resource is what I go to and that I see that service is a gift. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Sherry, it's your turn. This is Sherry H. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, good morning, Katie. This is Sherry H. in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I just... I continue to love these these paragraphs on faith and 
belief, um, recognizing that I was um, spiritually agnostic when it came to my disease, I'm learning that um, I, I thought and felt that I had this program before my relapse because I believed in God. My whole life grew up believing in higher power. But belief and faith are two different things, especially for me. It's one thing to believe that there's a higher power that can return me to sanity. It's another to have faith and actually act on that um, and live to that. I went through the steps thinking that I had truly done the first three steps. <laughs> but in actuality, I kind of just sped past them and jumped into the fourth step. Um, when I relapsed, I felt like I had it was just this epic failure because for me, it was perfection over progress. I had to be perfect in this program. And when I relapsed, I failed major. And I had already been shaken in. Um, I had a, a bad history with um, a church type that I went to and a, and a rough pastor. So it really shook my my belief in religion and somewhat in God. And this just kind of shook it even more that how could I fail? I mean, how could I relapse if God's supposed to, if my higher power is supposed to be carrying me through this? Well, I hadn't been living by faith. I hadn't been leaning on him to take away these, these defects of character and, you know, my issues, my, all of my disease and the addictive factors. And instead, I was having faith in everything else. I was having faith in looks of approval from men or money or, you know, how I was doing at work. Was I doing better than everybody else? And, you know, putting myself on a pedestal. Well, I put myself so far up that when I fell, it hurt because I fell far. And um, my whole life, I guess, I'd been trying to live like I lived on TV. Because on TV, people were perfect. People had... You know, their bodies were great. Their skin was great. They never worried about money. They always had plenty, you know, and my life was not that. My life will never be perfect. But with my higher power and with this program, I don't have to go through life struggling. I don't have to go through life um, with pain and depression and isolation and unhappiness and tears of frustration that I, that I struggle with. Um, my days don't have to be dark. My days can be bright. And regardless of what the scale shows or what size I'm wearing or how people look at me or what my family thinks, I don't have to be sad. Um, this program and these steps and what the business talks about can bring me happiness. Thank you, for, thank you for letting me share. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, well... Um... We have about 30 seconds, so I'll just talk for one minute or for 30 seconds. Um, and I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. And the thing that I like is imagine life without faith. Um, we're nothing left but pure reason it wouldn't be life. And, you know, I can't live my life without faith. And I'm either having faith in myself or faith in God. And this program has taught me to put my faith in God and to get myself out of the way. And when I am saying, yes, but, yes, but, well, you don't understand that I'm, 
I'm putting my faith in myself. I'm thinking that I know how hard it is and you just don't understand. And when I put my faith in God um, and all you people, then my life goes so much better. And with that, I'll pass. And now, um, thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to everyone who helped this meeting be possible with Becca R., Esther F., Allison L., Rita K., and Russ M. And we will now close with the reading. Oh, here we go. I forgot this part. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, April 23rd, 2018, is 11,329. That's 11329. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rita Kay please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Rita Kay from Kansas Recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.